0: Tell about your baptism in the river? How you swam was trying to swim across the river.
1: Well this this is easier to keep track of my age by. Because uh,
0: eight years old.
1: As soon as I was eight. I could be baptized into the church,
0: to the LDS Church,
1: which is the LDS Church, and uh, that was something we all looked forward to: was becoming eight years of age, so that you could go be baptized and join the church, and you'd actually be a member of the LDS Church and whatever ward.
0: You were baptized in a river. Tell me about the river.
1: And I was baptized, I guess that's a good way to remember being baptized, but I was baptized in a river. And uh, it was a running river, moving. And we had to find a place that The water had slowed down a little bit, but we had a favorite spot to be baptized in, and and we didn't have to get out into the mainstream or the real swift water, except to swim and mess around. But when you're being baptized, whether it's for your own self or another person, you want a, a, a spot that's calm and deep, and we had those spots so that was not a problem
0: so after you were baptized you went swimming
1: yeah you what do you want me to tell them
0: that you couldn't even get across the river you tried.
1: that's what I thought you was getting to
0: yeah.
1: uh it's a good thing I got a probe with me here today because we, we're not going to forget any good stuff, but uh, after I was baptized, we always w- sw- went swimming. We was in our swimming trunks. And so we just stayed there and where the area was found a nice spot we could swim in, and we enjoyed our swimming days, which was frequently. And I became so good I could swim across almost anything. But uh, the water was swift, and you had to respect it. and you had to know what you were doing. But I I became a good swimmer and I wasn't afraid to go out in the deep water or try to cross the river, uh, which too many of us, or too many swimmers don't do that. They can't get across that river because they run out of breath and get tired and I guess, they just don't do it.
0: So you were swimming across the river and you got caught in the swift part.
1: Okay, that's where she's leading me. This this happened actually two or three times in my lifetime. But there was about three times or four maybe that uh, in my young days, I could have drowned. I could have drowned. And I thought I was drowning.
0: But tell about this time.
1: But uh, we was up there after the baptisms. We were just free to swim and enjoy the water a little while before we went back home. But uh, this this happened several times, and I, I can only remember two or three of them. But uh, this one particular time, I wasn't sure I could get across the river. But being a young kid and reckless, you might say, uh, you needed to be careful. You needed to know what you were doing. You needed to know the distance across this big river and you needed to be a good swimmer and you needed more than that. You needed experience. But this one particular time that I'm leading up to, I was uh, showing off, as I did a lot of, because I could get across these rivers, and I could uh, just about make it across anywhere. But there's one, this one particular time. I was out in the river trying to cross it over to the other side. And I was probably, well, the water was swifter than I thought it was. And you needed to know these things, but I I was careless. And I thought, well, I'm good enough. I can go across this river. So when the time came, I decided to cross it. And I only could get it about halfway. I got out in the middle of this river and the current swift was taking me downstream. And I wasn't going across the river, I was just going downstream. And I thought, well, there was one time, there's several actually, that I should have drowned and uh, I'd have been a dead duck. But anyway, uh, crossing these rivers was for experts, people that could swim and handle the water. And I, I came to be one of those experts. I could just swim about anywhere. But this one particular day, there was a group of us. A group is maybe seven or eight people. But uh, I was just so confident about my swimming that I didn't worry about it. So I was going to head for the other side of the river. It's pretty wide, maybe. 100 yards, but I was going to head for the other side, and I got out there in this fast-moving current, swift water running down. And uh, the only way you could get across it was to be a good swimmer or stay out of it, because Lots of people were drowning out in those days. I got.
0: Then there's somebody on the side that saw
1: you. I got out in the middle this one day. I got out in the middle of this river trying to cross it. And uh, I didn't worry about whether I could or not. I knew I could. But. uh, I wasn't able to, I got to going across this big canal and I got about halfway out into it and the current was so bad I couldn't get across and it was carrying me downstream pretty fast. And uh, I remember losing my breath and I remember telling myself and this is exactly what you do when you you know you're gonna die, but i I got out and I lost it and about halfway across, and uh, the water got the best of me, and I wasn't able to get my breath and I wasn't able to get across this river. and I remember so vividly just saying. Well, I'm a dead dead duck, I can't make it, I'm I'm gonna die. And all these thoughts ran through your mind. And uh, I remember so vividly telling myself, this is it, because I was out of breath, I was dying, I was just, seconds away from drowning. And all of a sudden, I'd fought the current and trying to get across for several minutes, and I just couldn't make it, and I gave up. And I remember these thoughts, and I remember giving up. I guess the real words is giving up the ghost. (coughs) But I, I admitted when I was just seconds away from drowning that I shouldn't have tried it and I wasn't gonna make it. And so it's hard to remember, or it's not hard to remember how you felt because you just tell yourself you're drowning and this is it, you're a dead man.
0: And there's a couple of guys on the side.
1: But I've had a good life, and I've done a lot of wonderful things. And I've had a good family all my life, but I'm not the one that says, you're a dead man. The Lord is the one that brings you home. And lucky for me, I was just popping up and down out of the water. Once in a while, I'd come up for some breath, and then I'd disappear again. But there was a group of boys on the uh, I across on one side of the river that was swimming and having fun. And they happened to see me popping up and down out of the water, and they knew that I was drowning. And they rescued me. They just swam over there real fast when they realized what was happening. They got over there and they pulled me out and I know how it is to say you've had it because there's no hope, there's just none. You can't get your breath, you only got seconds left before you're not going to get up for air again. And all these different thoughts went through my head. but. The Lord had reason for me to not drown, not die, and he had these boys up on the other side of the river that had come up for a swim that day, and they were having their fun and enjoyment. And one of them saw me in the water And I went under and didn't come up for a while. And when I bobbed up, I went right back down. But there wasn't, it was a good sign for him that I was drowning and I better get out there and get that guy. That's what he did. He, he rescued me because he was placed in the right place. And another couple of minutes. I would have been dead and gone. And I'll never forget how close I came to dying and I'd given up the ghost, you might say. And that's a famous expression for people who live in the water is if they're gonna die and can't get across something or got out too deep or whatever they did, they they were, they were really, really dying. They were gasping for breath out there in the middle of that river. But this group of boys saw me over there on the other side and they knew that I was suffering and couldn't get across and they could have turned their back and went home. And I'd have only had a couple of minutes and I'd have been dead gone. But they pulled me out and saved me for this day, which I'm so happy to have. I don't take any day for granted anymore because I know how close I came to dying. Okay.
0: You want to tell about your cars? One of the kids want to know what was your first car. Tell us about your first
1: car. Oh, I'm not sure anymore.
0: Tell them about your cars then. What kind of cars did you have?
1: Well, I had a car, my first car, At an early age, Uh, I no sooner could. Well, I drove a long time without a license, just out in the country and around the house and around the farm, and I did a lot of driving. But I wasn't supposed to be driving out in the public, and uh, it was. uh, a while down the road before I was able to get my license and actually do legal uh, swimming,
0: driving. driving,
1: driving. But all that legal stuff it wouldn't have done you any good if you got out there and was drowning and didn't have any help.
0: Like. Your cars where you almost hit a horse and all that kind of
1: stuff. Almost.
0: Or did you hit it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, this one one particular time. Uh, I don't know if my sister Joanne would remember this or not, but. We had gone into town, which is about, I don't know, seven or eight miles. But we'd gone into town and went to a movie. And, uh, you know, in, in this time of the year that I'm talking about, it didn't get dark for quite a while. It was like, Eight, nine o'clock before it got dark. So we went we went to a movie that day. I can't remember.
0: And you were coming home
1: and there was a horse in the road. Oh yeah. <coughs> I'm trying to mix up some of my Times and areas, and it got got away from me. But I had Joanne with me, and we'd gone to a movie, went into town, and it was, oh, I don't know, a seven or eight mile drive back and forth. But, uh, well, I hit. I hit a couple of horses. One time, uh, I was home and we had a we had a curve in the road. It was a dirt road, but it was a curve, and and uh, you slow way down when you come to these curves because. There's a lot of traffic on that that road, and you just had to watch it. But anyway, I, I was coming home from a movie that we'd went to with with Joanne, and uh, I can't remember whether I hit this. Uh, bunch of horses or not? Do you?
0: I don't, I don't, I don't know if you hit it. You might have.
1: Well, I wrecked my car, so I must have hit it. In fact, there was two times, maybe three times that I got in an accident and should have been killed. I rolled my car once or twice. And got up walking away, just rolled my car, ruined my car. So two or three times I had to go buy another car. But I was a real test for my dad. He never knew. One if I was going to come home or not. But, uh, Joanne should remember this one because we were just coming home from the movie and it was still daylight a little bit. It was pretty light. But these horses were right there in the road and I didn't see them in time. To stop. So I plowed right through them. I just ruined my car. I didn't hurt the horses any. And I remember at least two times on that same road out from town to Vale that I uh, wrecked my car. And at least two times, three times, maybe, I had to buy a new car because of my bumps and wrecks with horses.
0: Tell them about that lady who signaled wrong on a turn. And she- That what? The lady that signaled wrong, and you had to go off the road so that she didn't hit you. And she said she thought she killed you.
1: Well, I guess I've told that so much I can't remember it, which which was which anymore, but uh, uh, there was more than one of those instances. But at this one that I'm going to tell about is uh, I ran off the road. I was going to hit this lady. I can't remember the circumstances. She wrong. Yeah. Well, Grandma or Mom here knows more about it than I do. But anyway, we were driving back from the movie. It was a highway. And uh, she signaled one way but went the other way. And I didn't see her switch her mind in time to keep from having an accident. So I ended up not hitting her but rolling my car a couple of three times and it was a goner. Oh, my dad got tired of buying me cars. It seemed like Every once in a while, I had to have an accident and then had to buy a new car afterwards. But that happened probably three, four times.
0: This lady thought that she killed you.
1: Oh yeah, she, she came running over there, saw me roll my car, and she came running over there and says, oh, I thought I killed you, I thought I killed you. But she knew she was wrong and signaled she signaled wrong. And so I just went the other way, and I went the same way that she went. I was too, too far going around her to change my way and stop and do anything about my drive, and I just had to hit her or roll my car. I rolled my car. And that's when she came running over there and says, I thought I killed you. I thought I killed you. I bet you to this day, she's probably long gone now, but I bet you to this day, she never forgot that. Hello. Hello microphone, this is Mr. Tommy. I was born Tommy, or Thomas, let's do it right, Gordon Thomas Grigg. And uh, very few times in my whole growing up days did anybody call me Gordon. It was Tommy, because I was a little guy. And they even added the Y on Tom, me. So that takes care of that. Tell them about going to church. Seemed like church has always been a part of my life. Because on Sunday, We would get dressed up in our best clothes, and then we'd get a blanket and sit in the back of the pickup. All of us kids couldn't ride up front, so we rode in the back, and the wind blew us and the snow fell on us, and all kinds of things that makes you wish you had a car. But we got by, and we got to church in the back of the pickup. Here comes, probably, I don't know if they ever said this, but there was about four or five of us. And whenever we got to church, I'd think, well, they're saying, here comes the Griggs. And that's about what we did as we got ourselves ready and went to church. I don't think there was a question about it. Nowadays, I can look at my wife and say, "I don't feel good. I don't. I don't think I'll go to church." But it don't work. It didn't work back then, and you never even heard anybody—not even me—ever say, I, I, "I can't go to church." Not once in my whole life, growing up, did I say that. Because we just took it for granted that this was Sunday, and we're going to get in our good clothes and we're going to go to church in the back of the pickup. So that was what we did on Sunday is we still went to church..
0: I'm about your milk. We're
1: out now. And speaking of driving, I got myself a milk route delivering milk to the stores. What we did was pick the milk up at a general spot, loaded up my car with uh, fresh milk, and I took this up to a place called John Day, which is a uh, little town up in Oregon and uh, it, we took, we delivered milk up there. Did you
0: have a truck or did you put
1: it in your car? Oh, I guess I put it in my car. I can't remember because I didn't have a pickup. But we, we got the milk up there to John Day and then I had to take it around and deliver it to the stores. That's where we did it. We didn't deliver it to the people individually, unless they were way out of reach of everybody, and we were gonna go right by there or something, we'd, we'd uh, establish a milk route. But it was enjoyable delivering my milk, and traveling all those miles from Vail to Yonde, It was a pretty good trip. It's probably close to 100 miles. Besides having a milk route in John Day and having to drive up there and then deliver the milk, uh, we went to church on Sundays like we do here, like we supposed to, and uh, it became just routine that we would get up on Sunday and get dressed for church. And then we would get in the pickup in the back, put a blanket over us to keep the wind from blowing us too bad. And I was always one to be in the back, getting the wind.
0: How about the potato sheds when you cut potatoes? Tell about
1: when you cut potatoes in the potatoes. Well, honey, you're telling it too fast. Oh, okay, whatever you want. Now, she, now she's on the potatoes. Uh, this, this is a little bit of a story. I'm gonna tell it and take the time. I think we can get by with it. But anyway, uh, our family, that was me, my brother, Leland, and uh, dad, and my mom. And Joanne? And Joanne didn't really do that, that I can remember. I think somehow Joanne, Joanne had house cleaning to do or something, so she uh, she wasn't able to do all this participating and going places like we did. Uh, there was some people's name, which I still remember. And they they had residences in. Vale, And. Uh, they be they became potato farmers. They had land and they decided that they would just go into the potato business. So they grew their own potatoes, but in order to grow a potato, you have to prepare it. You take a potato, and they've got eyes on them. If you look at them, these little dots that you see around the potato, you call them eyes. And uh, we had when, when we got a job cutting potatoes, by the way, they hired us uh, as a family, these different big potato growers. They hired our family almost every year that I can remember to come to their potato cellars and cut potatoes for them so they could plant them. So we made some good money doing that, and we were busy because we always had somebody wanting a bunch of potatoes cut. Well, what you did is you had a table down in the cellar, and the potatoes were either in a bag or loose. If they were loose, we used a fork, like a pitchfork to shovel the potatoes where we wanted them. Oh, well, I wasn't gonna brag on myself, but uh, I was fast. And we got paid by how many sacks, gunny sacks, of potatoes that we cut and uh, we had to keep track of how many we cut so that they could pay us that way. Well, I always cut my share and then some, because I was good and fast cutting a potato. I can pick up a potato, I can spot the eight or 10 eyes on it, and have that cut before I can turn around. And so we got jobs every summer during potato season to cut up the potatoes so that the farmers could plant them. They had to be cut into pieces and every piece that we cut had at least three or four eyes on it. If it didn't have any eyes, then it wouldn't grow. The eyes are what sprouts and what makes the potato, the new potato. So when we cut potatoes for a farmer to plant, we'd have to cut them, we'd have to know what we were doing and we'd have to be skilled at it so we could cut a lot of them in a day's time And we had to uh, know how to cut them. Because if you just take a potato and cut it five (laughs) times, four times, six times, however many times the potato will allow, then that's cutting potatoes. But we cut potatoes by the sack load and by the truck load on a daily basis. And I was always uh, one of the fastest and would always finish my sack of potatoes first. And then it didn't earn me anything, it just got me another sack. But I was good and fast and I could whip out a sack of potatoes in, oh, 15, 20 minutes and that's every potato in that sack. I was always in demand for cutting potatoes, and uh, me and my brother, Leland, and dad and mom always cut potatoes, like, together. We'd go to this farmer, and he had a 100, uh, gunny sacks of potatoes to cut or 200 or whatever it took for him to plant all of his space that he wanted to and so we got jobs every summer cutting potatoes and going from one farmer's place to another but we sure kept busy cutting potatoes And to this day, when I take a potato to the sink and peel it, I always look to see how many eyes are on that potato. And on an average potato, there's probably usually six to 10 eyes. So you would cut that in half, that potato, and then you would cut that in half, and then you would cut those in half. So you got a lot of a lot of uh, potatoes that could be planted, and we didn't do this just on a little onesie and twosie basis. We did it as a family, and we got a reputation that you want to go see the Griggs and schedule your potatoes to be cut. They are the only ones around that we know of that, that do that kind of stuff. Well, anybody could cut up a potato, but everybody can't cut up 100 or 200 sacks in a day or a morning. And we, we could do that.